0: never met before. I'm a Liverpool fan, you've guessed that, okay. Um, And I lead the vineyard along with my wife Michelle and staff, volunteers, leaders, doesn't matter what the title is, we're a family, we're all in it together. And uh, we're all just called in different ways to take this extravagant love of Jesus Christ here near and far. We've found a friend called Jesus, we love him. He's the best thing that ever happened in our lives and uh, we're passionate about pursuing him and following him. And that's really what we're all about. We do some other stuff too, too just because we're so captivated by, by Him and our imaginations are awakened by Him. But it really just comes out of loving Jesus, knowing Jesus and wanting to share that love with so many other people. So that's why we love prophetic announcements here in the vineyard. So good, Brian. Um, I hope you're enjoying here in the family. And then speaking of family, we have, I would say, possibly if I was a betting man, I'd put my money on it. We've got the youngest person in the room today via the Lucas family. We have Lydia Grace with us, born to Stephen and Emma. And, uh, no. no. Hey, 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 hey. Would you catch a grip yourself? There's a baby sleeping in the back, and you're all. yeah, no. So that's good, it's just getting used to noise, and uh, it's great that you have her out. Right. Am I good to go? Good. I'm going to change over. Um, so yeah, Lydia Grace, your your life's going to be changed. You get to hear the best preacher ever. It doesn't get any better than that. No, Ooh. she had her moment this weekend, and that is her. To Mother's Day. (laughs) It's time the man took some things back. (laughs) It'll be a proper church. (laughs) Real church. With real men. What do you think of this outfit? (laughs) Nice. You're not kidding. No, in all seriousness, we were at a, a family gathering this weekend um, with the Vineyard tribe, Vineyard family. Michelle actually got to open the conference this year. You're Michelle. So that was, that's good. She did do a wonderful job. So we're spending a lot of time talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven and all the gospels talk about the kingdom of God. And... Uh, There's a reason for that. So today I'm going to go really slow and just prep you actually for next week um, because I want to tell you some stories about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm going to begin that next week but I want to prepare your hearts this week to hear these stories. And um, why we talk about the kingdom of heaven is because there's a priority seek first the kingdom. Not just a vineyard thing but every church, every Every born-again, spirit-filled person that's fallen in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The whole of humanity is actually called to seek first the kingdom. Jesus just said that to everybody. He said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And so it's our priority, the church's priority to seek the kingdom. It's Jesus' priority to build the church. Sometimes we get that mixed up. And what happens, the Bible talks about wine and wineskins, because that was a they just used things that were really important in that day, in that context of historical uh, reality. And wine skins were—that was a thing. It was a pretty big thing. It was an important thing. Wine was really important. There were no refrigerators. There were no fridges. Contrary to some people's belief, that it was rabina and it was fridges. There wasn't anything. God, it was wine. Was a part of the culture, part of trade, part of life part of celebration part of communion it was part of just their everyday life so they talk about the things in everyday life and one of the things that Jesus talked about in the story that all the parables that again explain the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God he talked about wine and wineskins and so the the wine is the kingdom and it's fermenting and it longs to be poured out and we're the wineskins and so our job really is to pour out the kingdom of heaven To bring it here, near, and far. And so what what defines the church is the kingdom. That defines us. We don't define it. We don't tell it how it works. We just pour it out. We surrender ourselves to it. So it's imperative to talk about the culture of the kingdom, the values, the practices. When Jesus came to the earth, he brought with him a kingdom. He brought a new rule and a new reign. He filled the earth with the active presence of Jesus Christ. He brought the active presence of God in heaven. He turned this upside down world right side up. He made all things new. He started to bring order out of chaos. He would go into places where there was broken bodies and see them healed. That's what he was about. He would go in and set people free from oppression and things to tell them back. He would include people in the family that should never be included in that context of history and the reality of how culture was at that time. He brought people in. He brought people into a place of belonging. He set people's lives free. And so we're called as the family of God just to keep that going. And our priority is the kingdom. Our priority is not to build the church. Jesus' job is to build the church. Our job is to keep our eyes on what he's doing. And so I hope that you are experiencing that. I hope that it's something that's exciting your heart. Um, and it's something, the, the kingdom of heaven is not some just theological sort of fancy teaching. It's actually a reality. It's exciting. Experienced in our time that Michelle talked about last week. It's experienced in our towns. It's, it's within reach. It's, it's actually within our grasp. On our fingertips and on our lips. Speaking of wine. Have you ever heard the miracle of water to wine? Where the party was running out. And Jesus turned water into wine. Have you heard that story? Yeah. Well, that was Jesus' first miracle. And it's actually, it's a miracle also that I experienced where Jesus turned water into wine for me. I walked into the vineyard in August 1999 and the first thing that caught my imagination and more than my imagination, it bypassed my head, my logic and it went straight into my soul and my heart was this presence of Jesus Christ. To be in a room, it was actually a a pub with a pool table pushed to the side. About 30 people gathered together. There was a very small petite girl called Catherine Scott on a keyboard that she could just about see over. I came from a Pentecostal background. I was suited and booted every week. And uh, these guys were t shirts and jeans, and I thought, that's just, this couldn't be church. This is just not right. And then there was a young, skinny guy with a Glaswegian accent that, that actually changed over the years. And uh, he had a Bible in his back pocket, a wee red New Testament Bible. And he started to talk about Jesus. And something within me came alive. See, what happened to me was the party had gone out in my heart. I was having water moments. And in that moment, in that very moment... Hearing the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the kingdom of heaven that's actually present and real and active and bringing hope and life to families and towns and situations actually set something off in my heart. And the party started to happen and the water changed to wine and I was being awakened and renewed by the spirit of the living God. And I started to fall in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth all over again. And have been in love with this man who we read about, a 30-year-old rabbi, a Jewish prophet and rabbi who changed the face of the world. And so next week, we are going to jump straight in to Mark's gospel and to hear these stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and how we can participate in this story relive the story, retell the story here in County Tyrone. Are you up for that? And my prayer for you over this week and next week and the weeks and the months that lie ahead that the Father would come in his kindness and that you would have a water-to-wine experience where many of you, where you feel dead by religion and culture and the squeeze of anxiety and politics and nonsense and death and confusion, complexities, that God would come and he would warm your heart by his grace and his presence and he would free you and your soul so that you would maybe, for the first time in your life, fall in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wouldn't that be good? That would be so good. I'm competing this morning for attention. And the reason why we're going to start to tell the stories again next week is that I've also discovered something and it it took me forever to discover this. I know you people are probably way quicker and brighter than me. Is that there's this conclusion that I came up with that what happened to me in the vineyard in 1999 that was that there's this text in Scripture that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I pressed in a little deeper than that and discovered that faith comes by hearing and hearing the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. That's different. And it's still the same thing. It's immersing yourself in the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And what happens when we actually build our lives into his story and how he does things and the reality of the kingdom, the presence, the right side up living in an upside down world. When we actually engage that, you know what happens? Faith starts to rise in our hearts. We start to actually believe. And I'm going to talk about two words this morning. I'm not going to give them away just right now because uh, I want you to sort of come with me in a bit of a journey this morning. But I discovered that faith comes by hearing and hearing the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's where the adventure begins. See, Church excitement only really happens when you go after the kingdom, when you pursue the kingdom. That's why it's our job to pursue the kingdom and Jesus' job to build the church. See, when we start to build the church, the excitement dies in your heart. You start having water moments again. The party dies in your heart. When we start just to try and figure out models and ways to build church, then guess what? The adventure dies because we were never called to build the church We were called to go on an adventure and extend the extravagant kindness and generosity of King Jesus here near and far. When we engage in that sort of thing, guess what starts to happen? You start to get excited in the mornings. You start to feel alive again in your heart. If I just started talking about church and models and how we could do things and programs and all that sort of thing, you might think, oh, this is good, this is new, this is fishing, but after a while you'll be bored. You'll, you'll, you'll find other ways to fill in your, your time, the gathering of the community of saints where we sing simple songs. And, and what is that about three kids, sorry, young adults, <laughs> under the age of 20 can get up and play some keys, strum a guitar, beat some beats, and all of a sudden, something starts to happen inside your soul. What is that? It's the presence of Jesus. That's the kingdom, it's Jesus here on earth touching hearts. Doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't make sense. Why on the earth would you get up, get ready on a Sunday morning, come face three young 20-year-olds and below and sing these songs to Jesus and then all of a sudden, ah, things are starting to fall into place in my life, in my heart, in my mind. Things that I was worried about during the week are starting to settle even just for a moment. Because it's important, and if we miss the kingdom, if we miss that, if the joy dies in our heart, if we just want to build church, guys, it's never going to last for you. It's never going to last. If you're, going to th- if you're here to build a church and see a big church and a shiny church, uh, it's probably, let me say it this way, it's probably cheaper to get a Sky subscription and just watch Super Sunday. Or upgrade whatever you use for hobbies and recreation. But if you've fallen in love with Jesus and you're pursuing the kingdom, then let's get together as family and imagine and dream what is possible here right now. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a person finds a treasure, they, with their sacrificial, burdened heart, go and sell all that they have in order to buy the field. It's not what the scripture says. No. Says that they joyfully go, giggling and laughing, Yehoan and Yahian. which is the Hebrew, to sell all that they have to buy this because they've caught a glimpse of something that's way bigger than their imagination, way bigger than they can actually produce or network or make or conjole or try and manipulate or make happen. they find found the treasure of the kingdom and often you're going to find out next week it's found in the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. So again, you know it because you've experienced it from time to time. Attending church without engaging in the activity of the kingdom of God is futile and frustrating. It's futile. There's no end to it. There's no winning in it. There's no sense of change. There's no excitement. And then we realize something that we're the kingdom people. That's our job. We're spirit-filled and powered people. And our job is simply to hoist the seals. People of the wind. People of the wound. That's how the Bible describes us. And nobody caught it better than the Celts. Because you know what they did? Way, way, way back. They literally got on the boats, like literally, nutters, hoisted sails, and said, God, breathe on us, send us out. And he did. They took this scriptural, this metaphoric of Holy Spirit filling our hearts and our lives and keeping us in step with him and sending us out to the ends of the earth. They said, you know what, let's physically do it too. Let's allow what's going on the inside to, to react and engage with what's happening on the outside. It's called actually being a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You follow Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Steve, deep, isn't it? And they did that. And they were people of adventure and excitement. So many of them so excited that they got past the fear. And they lived in horrible, sacrificial circumstances. But there seemed to be a party going on in their hearts. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love that? I, my dream for this church is that we would be people of the wind. Hoist our sails and say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let's have a party. Let's explore and let's see where we're going. Okay, if you have scripture, let's turn to the proclamation. Jesus' mission statement, Mark chapter 1. Does anybody need a Bible? Anybody want one? It's great. Um, if you want to keep it also, just feel free to take it home with you. Um, but let's turn to the ancient scriptures. Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Here's the kingdom proclamation. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled, or all translations will say the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I want to recap this morning. I want to take a, I want to prepare our hearts for the next couple of weeks. But yet in the preparation, God is going to do some things this morning. So this proclaiming the good news. Here's some recap. Jesus is bringing the shalom of God. That's, it. That's more than the absence of fear, the absence of war. It's actually God is bringing peace to the whole earth bringing healing to the whole person. The good news of the kingdom of God is that the sh- shalom of God is here. The gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than saving your soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more than there. It's actually here right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not sometime, somewhere, when you draw your last breath, you go to, go to heaven, sit on a cloud and play. Harps. It's actually an act of present eternal reality that we experience the moment we say Jesus Christ is Lord. Give our hearts to him, repent and turn away, change our thinking and follow him. The good news of the gospel is exciting, it's exhilarating, it's an adventure, it's bringing the reality, the the. The Evangelio, this political word that when people went in, military people went in and uh, freed a town and and brought freedom to maybe a besieged city, they would walk in and say, Evangelio, Evangelio, good news, good news. That's the very word of the gospel. Can you imagine it? Try it tomorrow morning. Just walk around your canteens, your places you work, and just shout out, Evangelio, Evangelio, and uh, see how you go. Gospel the kingdom is good news, it's a preferred future of God, it's how life should be lived. It's amazing. Jesus is so good, isn't he? He's the best thing. The time has come, that's a good life. That's a good life. The writing of the Hebrew prophets are full of Jesus' kingdom breaking in. And what, what Jesus is saying here, the end has arrived. This is the end of the beginning. Not the beginning of the end. It's arrived. It's arrived. And you have to put yourself in the shoes of a Jewish people who lived in that time. The person hearing this statement from a 30 year old rabbi and prophet. This is what's going on in their head. Jesus of Nazareth. If anyone is making this statement. This kingdom has come. It's a radical revolutionary idea. We hear it, and we, we get all sorts of thinkings in our head because of our teachings and some the conditioning, and we've been brought up in different churches and, and stuff. They got there, but but when they hear it, they what's going off in their thinking? They're thinking, great, brilliant. Now is the time we finally have a Messiah, a prophet to overthrow the Roman Empire, to build the temple of God, and re-establish the state of Israel. Israel will take over the world. And Jesus has to say this because what he's saying is. The time is fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. All those beautiful pictures of Isaiah. Salvation, forgiveness, free from shame. Healing, liberation, justice. Sound old fashioned? Sound like we could be doing it in the 21st century? Peace in an anxious world? Healing in a broken world? Justice in a world that's just got way out of control? Liberation? What about this? This will tilt your head. Resurrection. Wow. Festivity. Party. Celebration. You thought Christianity was boring? We're the party people. We need a theology of party. Celebration. Jesus had a reputation. What was it? Prophet? Rabbi? Drunken. Glutton. Why? He wasn't those things, but he was around parties. He was actually, you know, we think that's just a cool thing Jesus did—that just to reach out. No, he was actually demonstrating the reality of what the kingdom of heaven looks like here on earth. He's taking a picture from Isaiah the prophet and saying, "Let's do it." Sometimes we just get really deep and we take these, the the, the scriptures, and try and make them into something that's domestic and and, and fits our thinking. And our tidy neat pack. Now Jesus is saying the kingdom's like a party. It's full of festivity. It's full of it's full of celebration. It's not just mourning. It's celebration. And so what he did is he said, "Let's live it out." That's why we get round tables during the week. Not because we thought it's a cool way to get people engaged with the scriptures. No, because it's actually a reflection of the kingdom of heaven. It's actually a a, a very simple reflection of what Isaiah the prophet talked about. Does that make sense? Thanks. Yeah. The kingdom has come near. Shell talked about it last week. She said it this way. The kingdom is like salsa. And you'll need to listen to it. What she meant by that or what she was saying, I think what she was saying. (laughs) Let me say it right for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's at her fingertips. You can touch it. You can release it through your voice and through your mind. We'll talk about that next week. You'll see that command and touch is very important in the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is... is, Here, Vineyard, listen to this. Don't ever play small. The kingdom of heaven, if you know Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the kingdom is at your fingertips. You can actually demonstrate it. You know, what? You, can, you know what? You can do lots of things. You can heal people. You can set people free from addictions. You can bring people out of loneliness and into family. You can feed the poor, clothe the naked. You can see people's minds, find peace in an anxious world. You and I can get to do that. What would you rather do, build a church or do that? Come on. What would you rather do? Build a church? Who wants to build a church? Or release the kingdom? So I bless you. Go and release the kingdom. It's on your fingertips. Let's just put our hands out right now. Just put your hands out. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, come on us as a church, as a family. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power. God, we want not just to talk about this stuff. We want to see our kingdom come, God, in our workplaces and gyms and pubs and clubs and, and Everywhere we go, Father God, in the corners of of our places of work and supermarkets, God, wherever we find ourselves, God, would you open us up to the reality that things can be better, that we can lay our hands on the sick and see them healed, Lord, that we can speak words of hope, edification in a negative world, that we could encourage families and, and people that are just being trodden by, by the nonsense and the lies of of culture and, and all our family members and all the nonsense and the... Yeah. God, oh, would you release us today to have eyes to see and ears to hear to be people of the kingdom, people of the womb. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Was he playing with our imagination? Was he toying with our emotions? Do you think he's that type of guy? False promises? I mean, he was the worst sales guy ever. Do you ever hear some of the stuff that he actually says to people? You're just thinking, Jesus, that's not very PC. If you're going to sell anything, if you're going to sell gospel, I wouldn't say it that way. So he wasn't trying to sell anything, but he did say this, pray this prayer. Our Father, community, corporate. He didn't say my Father, he said our Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, would he give us that prayer if it was never going to become a reality? He wouldn't. So therefore, there's an expectation, there's a reality, there's a kingdom has come and there's a kingdom that is near. He wants us to experience and see it. So here's where I'm going to today. How does it work? How does it come? How do we... How do we start healing the sick tomorrow morning? How do, start, how do we start seeing lives transformed? I was reminded again how offended I was coming on the vineyard years and years ago. When I first heard people talk about healing the sick and I thought, no, 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 no. This is terrible. We don't heal the sick, right? Jesus heals the sick. And then you read every... Every sentence, every word, where you can find healing in the ancient scriptures, and it tells us to heal the sick, not to pray for the sick. Only well, is it possible? You think it's possible to heal the sick? I think it is. How do you do that? How do we? How do we begin to heal the sick? How do we begin to set people free? How do we speak words of wisdom? How do we? How do we give it away? How do we? How do we get? other people to taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we, how do we spread the salsa? And there some smarty pants are saying, go down to Tesco's and get a jar, right? But that's, that's okay, you can do that. But here's the answer, and this, is, this might, you might never have come across this, you never might maybe never have thought it this way, but this is something that transformed my life years and years ago. There's two words that we haven't read yet from Mark 1, 14 and 15. That, we haven't, that I haven't captured this morning. The two words are repent and believe. Great words. Repent and believe. Repent, metanoia. Metanoia means, meta means to change, noia means the mind. To change your mind, to change your thinking. In the modern language, we would call it a paradigm shift. You need to have a paradigm shift. You need to change your mindset. Now just before we go in and you start to switch off, and start throwing rocks or whatever you go to, whatever you have in your handbag. Midget gems would be preferable, but there is a place of repentance of saying sorry. Okay, but here's Jesus bringing the kingdom, and he brings these two words to a culture again that's here and expecting something totally different. The Jewish mindset is waiting for the Messiah to come and overturn the Roman Empire, so that they would build build Israel as the actual place that would take over their known world because they didn't know the known world then but just as much as they did know Israel was going to be the the big chief so it's what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom comes via these two powerful words the reason again is that as listeners in that time the context they would hear is at last nationalism nationalism at last it's here and it's alive and we're going to conquer Rome and we're going to build the temple again and it's going to be great. It's going to be furnished and we're going to have lots of sacrifice and we'll sell stuff. We'll, we'll take advantage of the poor again. We'll, we'll get them to buy the sacrifice because they'll have to walk for miles and miles if they forget the, the doves or the, the, for the posh people, the lamb. You know, if they forget all those things, then we'll make a killing and we'll, we'll, we'll rebuild the temple. That'll be our pinnacle. That'll be the religious system. When people look at the temple and see that we are the people. We are the nation. And Jesus says no. Change your thinking. Change your, your paradigm shift. It's why it's so important for us when you are two millennium later in County Tyrone. If we get this today then it's all good. You get to go home and you'll have a great day. Then we'll come back next week and we'll hear the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Here's why it's so important for us. If we don't repent and believe, then we miss the reality of the presence of the kingdom among us. If we don't change our mindset, then we'll never get the activity of God. You'll be going back to old books and old stories. You'll be trying to find ways to build church, to do church better. You'll be trying to figure out ways so that you can modify your life, your behavior systems, the structures and the practices in your life that make you a better flourishing home human being. You're going to try and find ways to change society that will never work. You're, what actually will happen is you'll put your political bent on it. You'll put your thinking on it. You'll put your mindset on it. You'll put all the stuff that, that's actually not really good in your life and you'll deposit that in places and people. Unless you repent and believe unless you understand that there is another way to do life, that there is another God, that there is, a, there is another, sorry, another king, that there is another reality, that there is another government, that there is a right way to live in an upside-down world. If we miss that, it's possible, listen, it's possible to miss the present activity of God among us because of our mindset. I've discovered something, and it used to frustrate the life enemy. You'd go into... You would see things happen. You would be around people to see things happen. And you could be in a room where the same message is being preached. You could be in a room where the Spirit of God is moving, where we're (coughs) all experiencing the same (coughs) worship and presence of Jesus. And yet we can all leave this room and some of us will start to lay hands on the sick and heal the sick. And some of us will start to see the adventure of the kingdom in our lives. And it really has to do with our mindset. It's not that they're smarter. It's not that you've come from a different culture. It's not that you've, you know, you're just a better person, more godly person, that you've read the Bible more. It's actually that God has come and that the words of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when he said repent and believe, you've actually taken that seriously. You've changed your mindset. You've thought to yourself, ah, maybe there's another possibility for a broken world. Maybe there is an active presence. Maybe there is a reality that can fix this situation. Very potent words, aren't they? So potent that God's present is active, and yet, if we don't have the right mindset, see, some of you have been conditioned by teachings and doctrines that Jesus doesn't do these things, and I don't know how you would act. You need to do some serious scriptural gymnastics and elastics to try and stretch it to this type of thinking. Like what type of God would he be? What kind of kind father? It would be one minute you're telling everybody God is good and God is kind. Repent and believe. And then the next thing you're saying, just wait till you die. Is that good news? We found it the first time we went to to India that, you know what, trying to scare people into hell just doesn't work when you're living in hell every day. What they need is more of heaven, not more of hell. And the Christian message for too long has been more of hell and less of heaven. And we need to spend all our time trying to get heaven into people instead of trying to figure out clever ways to get hell out of people. Because light and darkness don't mix anyway. And when you get the kingdom in when Jesus comes in, when he comes, he transforms lives. And we have very little to do. Because he is more powerful, isn't he? He's very good at changing lives. Have you not found that? Like as a past, I used to think my job was trying to transform people's lives. Have you ever tried to transform people's lives? Have you? Come on, you have. Have you ever tried to change people's behaviors? Yeah? I have. Because it's it's from good intention. It's good heart. You want people to be free. You want people to experience the reality of Jesus. It's not that you want to kill their fun. You actually want them to be a flourishing human being. That's a good thing. But you can't do it. Only the work of the Holy Spirit, only the presence of the kingdom can do that. Our job is just to wield that and, and spread that and make it happen all over the place. To invite Jesus in and allow him to transform lives. So what does it mean? To repent and believe. Well. We need to see things from the perspective of heaven. From God's point of view. Not our own thinking. From God's point of view. Or we don't see what he's doing. We see absolutely nothing. John 3. 3. Fairly, fairly. Truly, truly, I say, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. To see God at work, you need to change your mind. You need to change your thinking. The the, the crux of being born again, the, the pivotal point, the starter point for being born again is repent and believe. You have to repent and believe to be born again. So you have to change your mindset, your thinking. If you want to see the kingdom of God, never mind actually participate in it. Which is a whole other thing. Right? So repent is to change your thinking. But believe. Let me give you a great definition for belief this morning. Here's my definition this morning. Open your mind up to God's wildest possibilities. Open your mind up to God's wildest possibilities. What an announcement. Repent and believe. Change the way you think. Don't listen to the culture around you. See from heaven's perspective. See from heaven's perspective touching earth and you know what when you start to do that your imagination your prayerful imagination you start to be reawakened and you start to think differently and because of the brokenness and the darkness that you see all of a sudden instead of being pessimistic and downcast and and just confused you start to open your heart up and your life up to the wildest possibilities that God might just come in any moment right now and change the situation yeah Anybody getting it? Because it changes everything when we become that type of people, when we become the repent and believe people. What an announcement! The the enactment, the outworking is found in the stories of Jesus. But before we go there, before we go from announcement to enactment, there's something fatal that we can't afford to miss. And here we go. I'm going to try and get us into landing here. Before Jesus did anything, before the, this great announcement, this great wildest possibilities, before that, and he started to enact the reality of the kingdom of heaven that we're going to look at next week, just the next verse. I want us to pay attention to that, and then we'll, we'll pray for each other. It says this, verse sixteen, Mark 1, verse 16. You with me? As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew casting a and net into the lake. For there were fishermen... No kidding. (laughs) Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Sebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets without delay. He called them, and they left their father, Sebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. So before... Just after the announcement, this is the preparation to form our hearts, to be ready for the stories of Jesus Nazareth, of Jesus of Nazareth, so that the party can begin in our hearts, and we can actually activate and engage in the kingdom of heaven. Here's something very important for us, Vineyard, to know. This is a, this is a model, as I see it, or the way of Jesus. The first thing that he does, what does he do? He creates a community to continue the ministry of the kingdom. Doesn't go it alone. He's not the superstar. He's not the great rabbi who just says, you know what? This is it. This is me. I do everything. You listen. You just sit down there and listen, and I'm going to do the stuff. He forms community. He creates community. This is the way of Jesus of Nazareth. And he does it with 12. But not so. He does it with actually more than 12, at least 20 to 30 people. I've always missed this. I just always thought there was 12 disciples, did you? Well, there's more than that. So the parable of the sower, just before that kicks off and look at let me read it to you. It says this, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to, the, to another, proclaiming what? The good news is the kingdom of God. 12 were with him. And also, some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. (whistles) Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Anybody ever had that experience? So there's Mary, Magdalene, seven demons had come out. I love the detail in this. Joanna, the wife of Juzah, the manager of Herod's household. Pretty good job. Susanna and what? many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Wow. Wow. So before you read all the Mark Driscoll books, pay attention. This is a good model of discipleship. Generosity. Out of their own means they support the ministry of Jesus Christ the Messiah. Pretty, pretty cool. Isn't that right? And I love, this is radical. You see, this is, this is the radical Jesus. This, the radical Jesus, the radical rabbi, the radical prophet, including woman in this community. The yeshiva, the mobile learning community that traveled around, the travelers. They, they were radical. Jesus was radical because what happened in Jesus' time is that what a rabbi did, a rabbi asked you to volunteer. A rabbi actually asked for your CV. Send me your resume. Let me see what family you come from. Do you know the Torah by heart? Can you give me the first five books of the Pentateuch? Can you write them off without reading? Send me your CV and then sure, we'll have a look at that and then see how that works out. Not Jesus. Jesus goes and invites people in calls people in and he still does it today. And what a list. What a list. No. Like just a ragtag bunch of people and we think it's all the poor and the broken. But this is the idea of community, right? So you have somebody who's managing Herod's house, which is quite a respectable job by the way. Herod's a big gig, right? Do you know him? He's a big gig. He's the guy that got John the Baptist. Yeah, he lost his head, literally. Because he spoke into sexual morality in that culture in that time. That's Jesus telling us that first thing is that we want to form community. When he called them to himself, then he administered to them, and then he equipped them to minister the kingdom. That's how it works. It's not rocket science. So community is so, so important. So here's my little formula, all right? What Jesus did, the call of Jesus is simply follow. I know it's is deep, isn't it? But intimacy with Jesus, the lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's our call, the lifelong pursuit of Jesus. Vineyard, the Father is calling us to walk with Him. That's what He does. Come and walk with me. Come and carry my kingdom into your families, into your streets, into your towns. I was thinking about this last night. And I was thinking about the family. You know, family has become a centerpiece of, of modern culture, which is good, but sometimes a little extreme. And sometimes then we conclude that family comes first and the kingdom comes second. But I want to try and help you with this this morning. See, when you follow Jesus and pursue his kingdom, everything comes into order, including your family and your home. And it's so important that you pursue the King. Listen to me, parents. It's so important that you pursue King Jesus because King Jesus has a better solution for your family than actually you do as parents. Do you know what the key? It's actually the Bible teaches us that one of the, one of the things about Holy Spirit friend coming to this, he likens that to, to, to a father and he says to us, he says to us dads, he says, you dads who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, but me who is good, what do you see what I can do? And he talks about that. So what does that tell me? It tells me that Jesus is the best thing for your family. Yeah. Jesus is the kingdom of God is the best thing for you to pursue. Do not be conned by society and a secular culture that tells you, you know what, if you want your kids to grow up to know Jesus, then don't throw the gospel down your throat. Don't get too radical. Don't bring them into these prayer meetings. Don't, don't, don't engage them too much. You know, Let them stay at home. Give, give them a little Netflix. Don't, don't make it all about the kingdom. I'm going to say something that sounds kind of radical and, and off-center. Bring the kingdom. Yeah. In all its extremity. Have you ever seen an extreme kingdom person? They're good people. Like we're extreme about everything else. What's wrong with being nuts about the kingdom? What's wrong, about, what's wrong with being extravagant and, and fearless and, and, and addicted to pursuing the kingdom of God? Do not be conned by the culture that tells you to put your children first. And then the kingdom second. So that you don't put your kids off Jesus. When all the time Jesus wants to steep them in adventure. And then you wonder why when your kids get to 18 or 19. They don't see any thrill. They don't see any excitement. They don't see any adventure or any Why would I follow Jesus? Because I'll tell you why. Because you've kept them in the dark and in the corner spaces and places. They don't see the reality and the exhilarating freedom and adventure in following Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why do you think there were so many young people and young men like Timothy who were young whoopersnappers who hadn't a clue about anything would often change the world? Because there was men like Paul said to them, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and see what happens to your life. No, 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 no! Don't be getting carried away. i getting used to that. <laughs> I'll be looking for it every week. Maybe we could record a week lap. <laughs> and I could go. <laughs> form. UK. Okay? Follow form. Got three Fs. If it all goes pear Becoming a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> they would have me. We're formed through community. I don't have any big, deep stuff today. I just have Bible. We follow Jesus in intimacy, we follow him, we follow the kingdom, we follow his ways. And then we form. We form ourselves through community. If it's the Jesus way, then it's our way. Let's stay committed to community. I know it's an inconvenience. I know sometimes it's not sexy. I know it's a handling sometimes trying to get around. We have a big table in our house now. Well, we have two tables. And you have to go out to the garage and bring the table in. A suffering pastor. I get grumpy. Why did you sign more people up, Michelle? Why did you say they could come? Get the hoover out not really a Hoover. It's a Dyson. <laughs> oh, I see. Now you've gone up in your estimation. <laughs> and when everybody leaves our hearts are filled and our faith is renewed yeah. and we're formed again to go and do it again. Why? Because we've had some Holy Spirit wild adventure meeting. No, we've sat down, we've broke bread We've had the wine, we've opened the scriptures, we've prayed for one another. Simple. Form yourself into community. Finyard, here's our problem at the minute, we don't have enough community groups. For what the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth has for our town and our community. Because if we are not formed, we risk the fact that the wineskin could burst. And it doesn't flow out in their streets, communities, and homes. So get over yourselves. Take a step beyond convenience. Record Coronation Street. Do what you need to do. And follow the way of Jesus. Get yourself formed into community By practicing the way and the things that Jesus practiced so that you can contain the favor of God when he comes to awaken Ireland. And then let's go fishing. Let's go, no. (laughs) See, I'm just like, oh yeah, I hear fishing. Let's fish the world. Let's introduce him to Jesus of Nazareth. And oh, I wish that we would first fall in love with Jesus so that the world could fall in love with Jesus. To be open to the wildest possibilities, to his kingdom present to us. Not just in us, the kingdom is present to us right here, right now.